Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. What does the word say? It's your kindness that's led us to repentance. And so when you and I are living out the kindness of God to a world around us that doesn't deserve kindness, then we're living out the truth of God to a dark and desperate world. And that's what God has called us to do. Patience is how I respond to the actions of others toward me, but kindness is the motivation of my actions toward others. The love of God for us is enduring, and God is willing to be patient with you and I. Because of God's love, we are created, and our ability to endure the challenges of this life can be strengthened. Is this love of God being displayed through your actions and attitudes? Pastor David challenges you today to allow God's agape love to be your strength and your standard. The love of God is kind, patient, and free from envy. And your love is to be a pattern of God for this world. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Agape. How many of you have been in uh, wedding services where 1 Corinthians 13 was read or used during the service? Yeah, it's a beautiful passage. I understand that. But gang, it's not a marriage passage. It's the direction, it's the understanding for you and I as believers. It's not my love for my wife that it's speaking about here. It's my love for George. Okay, get that rolling in your head, okay? <laughs> it's not your love for your spouse your love for your brother or your sister in Christ. How you and I ought to be living on a daily basis. That's what's called here. That's beautiful as a wedding. And, and yes, my, my wife was my sister in the Lord long before she was my wife. And so absolutely it all counts for that. But don't limit it only to matrimony, okay? This is life for the believer. It's, it's called for you and I. Where it says it suffers long in my version, your version might say that it's patient. A little bit later, my, still in verse 4, where it says, uh, my, my verse says, in New King James Version, says, doesn't parade itself. Yours might say it doesn't boast. Uh, mine says it's not puffed up. Yours might say it's not arrogant. I think uh, down there where it says, thinks no evil, it keeps no record of wrong. So there's a few kind of differences with different translations, but in essence, they are all saying the same thing, and we'll look at those. So This is how we're to respond to each other. Not only how we're to respond to each other when 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 Bruce is doing all the right stuff and man, we're on good friendships and and man, our our love for each other, it's working the way Christ has called for it. But when I blow it and I offend Bruce, you know what? He's still supposed to love me that same way. It still goes that same way. That's why it's agape love 
and not uh, phileo or Philadelphia kind of love or storge kind of love. It's not that kind of love. The agape kind of love says that we take all of these things and in the midst of the failures of the people around us, that's how we live. And the reason we know that is because, look, I don't have to be patient with you if you're doing fine. I don't have to be long-suffering with you if everything's managed, it's working out good and we're doing good. But you know what? When you blow it and when you, you, you've said things or you've done things that have offended me, I can take an offense or I can go back to the Word of God and the Word says, no, I don't take an offense. Why? Because I'm dead to myself and Christ is living in me. And because the love of God flows through me, even in the midst of that offense, I'm called by God to be long-suffering and patient and, and, and on and on. We'll get into those. Now, gang, I fully understand. We, we look at this, and when we come to a clear understanding of what this means, I'm brought to the Proverbs 31 woman, okay? You know the Proverbs 31 woman? How many of you ladies are Proverbs 31 women? You think, oh, no way I made that. Does that make it wrong? Does that make it not right? Does that make it not true? No, but it does make it a goal, I think, a goal. And we, we reach for that goal. And in the same way, when we look at all this, man, I could go through each one of these things and I could tell you how I've blown probably each one of them just this week. Does it make it any less important? Does it make it any less effective and necessary? No. It just means that I've failed to allow the Spirit of God to work through me in dealing with my brothers and sisters. And so, again, we move on from there with that understanding. There's no doubt that each one of us are going to fail in some, if not all, of these areas. However, that doesn't lessen the truth of the description and the definition of what true agape is. That's what it is. That's where we ought to be aiming for. But we cannot do it on our own strength. We can only do it as we are surrendered completely to the Spirit of Christ. Now, Bear in mind that these are the goals that each of us should have towards one another, those within the household of faith, understanding that each one of us at any one time could possibly be lacking in any one of these areas. But let's look at them a little more closely. Let's let this be a challenge to our own hearts to press toward the goal of that high calling, okay? So do you understand? I'm, we're not going to look at this and say, oh, yeah, man, I, I wish, my, wish my husband would, would read that. I wish that was him. Or, hey, I wish so-and-so would read that because he really needs that in his life or she needs change. No, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer, as the old song used to go. Let's look at this and how each one of us ourselves take these things and incorporate them within our own lives. If I am in the body of Christ, if I declare myself to believe Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I've surrendered my life to him as my Lord, then you know what? I need to have, as Paul says here in verse four, I need to have long-suffering and patience when it comes to dealing with my brothers and sisters in the household of faith. It comes with that idea of having long patience, bearing long, suffering long. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're probably there right now. 
You're either suffering along with somebody or perhaps they're suffering along with you. It means to patiently endure. And why it means patiently endure is because there's something that has to be endured. There's some wrong that's been that's come against you. And so you've, you've, you're called as, as a brother, as a sister in Christ to live your life in long suffering. How many of you realize that to patiently endure means that you do it without mumbling and grumbling? Okay. Oh, I'm getting along. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'll put up with them. You know, no, you're not patiently enduring. You're just mumbling and grumbling. And, you, and you're, you're not, again, long-suffering in any way. It means to be of a long spirit, not to lose heart, to persevere patiently and bravely, endure misfortunes, endure troubles, to be patient even in bearing the offenses and the injuries of others, to be mild and slow in avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish. You know, one of the things I learned years ago, and yes, I still learn it on a regular basis, I relearn it, is that God does a much greater job of avenging a wrong that's been done to me than I do. When I try to avenge a wrong that's been done to me, guess what, I'm going to do it the wrong way, the wrong time, the wrong direction, to the wrong extent. God does it with a much greater desire for the outcome on the other side. I do it just to get vengeance. But God does it for a reason of reconciliation. He'll bring discipline and instruction to bring about restoration. Think about how you deal with a child. <laughs> Learn, learning how to walk, okay? Some of you, uh, how many of you in here have children, say, under the age of uh, 16? Under the age of 16. Okay, so you still have the memory of when there were, the rest of us, I don't remember the kid, but uh, <laughs> those of you that still have young brain cells, uh, you remember, you know, you, you, you're so excited, you know when they're, when they're you know, newborn, they're not going to be walking, you don't expect them to walk. And as a matter of fact, you're carrying them everywhere they go. You're, you're concerned about everything. You want to make sure that they're, they're fed and they're taken care of. And beloved, it's just like a new believer. When a new believer comes into this world, you and I, as seasoned believers, and some of us are more seasoned than the others, but you and I as seasoned believers, man, we care for that young one. Sometimes, man, we just got to carry them. Care for them and carry them. Pretty soon they get to walking on their own. And just like a little one, man, you're holding their arms and they're, oh, isn't that cute? Man, they're taking little steps. Of course, you're holding all the weight, but they're taking steps. How cool it is when they first let go of the hands and take those first couple of steps. How exciting that is. But then they fall. Okay, that's it. I'm done with you. I'm writing you off. I put in like a year on you already. And you're not walking. We don't do that, do we? We are long-suffering and patient. Same true, spiritual. And it's not just new believers that do this. I mean, even seasoned believers will fail you at times. I, as your pastor, will fail you at times. That's why I just praise God. I've got a congregation of long-suffering and patient people. 
What about when that child is older and, and he wants to do things on his own? Now the child is like five or six and uh, mom, you're there, you're cooking, trying to make something and that, that little one wants to come up and help. And well, okay, so you get the chair up there and pretty soon you got flour and noodles and everything everywhere. You think, okay, we'll work through this. We'll work through this. Now, by the time they're 26 and there's still flour and noodles, there's, there's a real problem. Patient endurance. Why? Because you love them. Because you love them and you want them to grow up right. And in the same way, you and I, when we have a brother or a sister who's, who's failed us, who's spoken against us, and you know it's not right, do you have, again, the surrendered heart enough that God can love that individual back to restoration? Or are you so full of yourself that you've put blockades because you've been offended? You see, it's a dangerous thing for you and I to walk in offense. It's a dangerous thing because it puts a blockade to what the Holy Spirit really wants to do in our lives. It puts a blockade between relationships with one another. So we cannot live our lives in offense. We must live our lives in long-suffering and patience. As a believer, the second one we look at, he says not only does he suffer long, but he's kind. I need a kind spirit. As, as a believer, I need to walk. I need to live my life with a kind spirit. This has the understanding of an attitude of, of dealing in, in kindness with others, just dealing in kindness with others. I'm, I'm amazed in this world how little kindness there is. Well, I'm not really amazed, but you walk around in the world and you think, wow, how offensive people are. They don't care about their language. They don't care that the other day, man, I'm, I'm enjoying my, myself. I stop and get gas for my wife in her car because I'm a good husband. I'm taking care of the deal. And some guy comes next to me and he's blasting his car with this profanity. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. Now, I could have gone over there and made a scene might have got shot, but I could have gone over there and made a scene. But other than that, you know what? I said, Lord, he probably doesn't know you. So, Lord, reveal yourself to him. Reveal yourself. I just pumped my gas. He finished. I finished. We drove away. There's very little kindness in the world today. And yet, you know what? For as many Christians as there are in the world today, kindness ought to be everywhere we look. Kindness and a gentle heart ought to be in places, in the restaurants, in the stores, in the waiting lines, in, in every aspect. Oh, hey, why don't you come on ahead of me? You, you've got, well, I see you've got like a lot more than I do, but go ahead, you know, go ahead. Treating people kind that don't expect it. People that normally, they're just run over by the world. It's you and I's responsibility to show the kindness of God. And what does the word say? It's your kindness that's led us to repentance. And so when you and I are living out the kindness of God to a world around us that doesn't deserve kindness, then we're living out the truth of God to a dark and desperate world. And that's what God has called us to do. Patience is how I respond to the actions of others toward me. But kindness is the motivation of my actions toward others, okay? Somebody does me wrong, okay, I'm going to deal in patience. That's, uh, that's how I'm responding. 
but that's what patience is. But kindness is, is the first action. That's when I come out and I, I'm just kind. And you do that with, with, with intenseness. You do that with, with purpose within your life. You look for opportunities to be kind to the world that's around you, and you will blow people away by the kindness, by words of kindness, because they're not getting it in the world. The church ought to be a flood of kindness to the world that's around us. It's not a responsive attitude. It's a motivating attitude. We begin with kindness, and our actions then flow from that mindset of kindness to the people that are around us. Yeah, even to the ones, man, they don't look like they deserve kindness, or they, they might look spooky to you. They might look fearsome to you. Try using kindness. Just walk in kindness. The third thing that we look at, you guys aren't going very fast. Uh, there's like 16 of these. So, A child of God does not envy, nor are they jealous. He says, love does not envy. This envy, you know, it's definitely written in, in a negative sense. It's that idea. It has the meaning of, of, of coveting something. Man, I, I, I envy that. Man, I, it's, it's not the idea. Man, I envy you for, you know, what's going on in your life. That's, that's really good. No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about the, the darkness of envy, the dark side of envy, where in essence you burn with zeal against another person's goods or the good that's going on in their life. Man, how come he gets all that? How come that family gets all that? At the Bible study the other, the other day, the men's Bible study, I got to talk with one of the brothers, and he was talking, we were talking about this whole idea of how some people, man, they, they don't care about the Lord at all. They live their lives completely separate from God. They're, they're godless in, in how they live, and yet it seems like things are going pretty good for them. And I shared with him Psalm 73, the song, the Psalm of uh, Asaph, where Asaph kind of goes through the same thing. Man, I looked around and it seemed like all the wicked people, man, they were, they were, they were fine and they had riches and they were dying in the, in the midst of their prosperity and everything was good for them. And I just thought, why? Why even bother living my life for the glory of God? Because it seems like the wicked are the ones that are prospering. And he says, it wasn't until I came into the temple of God In other words, it wasn't until I got my eyes off of this world and got my eyes back on God that I realized, you know, man, they've got a horrible end. They may live great for 80, 90 years at best, but they've got an eternity that sits before them. Just like a few weeks ago when we were in uh, Luke dealing with the rich man and Lazarus. Again, Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham, the rich man. Abraham told the rich man, he said, hey, you got all, all that you had in your life. Lazarus didn't have anything, and now he's enjoying it for all eternity. What is there that someone else would have that would really stir in you this internal emotion of anger, jealousy, covetousness? You know, all of that is fueled by discontentment in our lives. The Apostle Paul says, I've, I've learned in whatever state I am, therein to be content. Man, I've, I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been full, I've been empty. I've, I've, man, I've been in all kinds of situations. I've come to a point in my life that I've learned to be content. 
because I know that God is in control. And if in this point in time in my life, I'm going through physical struggles, I'm going through emotional or relationship struggles, I'm going through financial struggles, you know what? Lord, I just want to keep my eyes focused on you. I don't want the world to direct my life. I don't want circumstances to be the driving factor in my life. I want the Spirit of God to be that that takes me through every storm so that when the fires come, I don't get burned. And when the floods rise up, I don't drown. Because guys, fires are going to come. Floods are going to come. There's just no doubt about it. When the psalmist declares that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The reality is, is we've got valleys of the shadow of death that every one of us go through. Sometimes, and my wife and I were talking about this on on the way, it, it just amazes me. It breaks my heart to see some folks and all that they're going through. And you think, wow. And granted, some it's because of choices that they've made, but others, it's just like, that's no choice. That's just what they're going through. Lord, bless them. Keep them by your hand. Teach them to trust in you in every situation, that they might see you, that you might get the glory in their lives. Moving on, Paul tells us that a Christ follower There should never be a time where we parade ourselves around or that we're boastful of our own accomplishments. Remember, Paul gives us a whole listing of all the things that that he's done. Man, I was was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was was a Pharisee of the Pharisees among my peers, man. I was was above them all, man. I was was the deal. He says, but you know what? (laughs) I counted all as manure for the glory of Christ. See, that's not boasting. It's just saying, that's where I was, but it's nothing, and I don't care about anything. I want Christ to be utmost in my life. It carries with it that idea of meaning of, of not exalting ourselves over others as if our accomplishments were based upon our own merit or our own ability. Because if the accomplishments that we have are on our own ability and on our own merit, Beloved, that's the greatness of the reward. That's it, man. And that can be taken away in a moment, in a heartbeat. The negativeness of that kind of a thing is basically declaring, we don't, we don't need anyone else. You see, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've got myself here, and man, it's because of my wisdom that we got this taken care of. It's because of my leadership we did, we did that, and on and on and on, and man boasts about so many things. And in essence, what we're saying is, God, I don't need you, and I don't need any of you either because I've done it all on my own. I'm a self-made man. And you know what? That ought to be so foreign to a believer's vocabulary, so foreign. We need to understand, no, outside of the grace of God, every one of us would still be in a dung pile someplace. If we think that we're better than anyone else, because of our position, because of our finances, because of anything. Beloved, we've got a second thing coming. Open our hearts, change us from
As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the Open Word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on About for information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.